I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 609 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, the amazing guest list for this week leading up to Father's Day continues today with a very special edition of First Class Fatherhood. Co-authors Pete Hegseth and David Goodwin join me to discuss their brand new book, which is currently number one of all the books on Amazon right now. It's been that way for a few days on Amazon. The Battle for the American Mind, Uprooting a Century of Miseducation. The book is right now number one, as I said, and the topic couldn't be more timely. Uh, It is so important to dads and parents all across the United States. Let's face it, there is trouble in the American school system, and we are going to cover it all, why that is and how to fix it. Pete Hegseth returns for his second interview here on the podcast. He is, of course, the co-host of Fox and Friends and Fox Nation. He is also a decorated combat veteran. He's a New York Times bestselling author, and I'm so honored to have him back on the podcast David Goodwin is the president of the Association for Classical Christian Schools. He is a founding board member and former headmaster of the Ambrose School in Boise, Idaho. He has got a wealth of knowledge on the subject of education, and we are going to tap right into that today. Pete and David will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the conversation between Pete Hegseth, David Goodwin, and myself, Please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and keep an eye out on Father's Day on Fox and Friends. I'm scheduling right now to make another appearance, which would be my third, on the number one rated cable morning show. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Tomorrow on the podcast, we are going to be keeping it in the Fox and Friends family, as Steve Ducey will be joining me here. He has been with Fox for over 25 years. His son, Peter Ducey, has just been crushing it uh, as Fox's White House correspondent. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Friday, we're going to close the week out with current UFC welterweight champion Kamara Usman. He is also the number one ranked pound-for-pound fighter in all of the UFC. That's going to be a great one as well. And there is still time. If you're shopping for a Father's Day gift, you can grab Pete and David's new book, but you can also grab First Class Fatherhood Advice and Wisdom from High Profile Dads. The link is in today's show notes. Included in the book is Pete Hegseth himself with some of his great uh, fatherhood wisdom and advice. So if you're looking for that last-minute Father's Day gift, there you go. First Class Fatherhood Advice and Wisdom from High Profile Dads. All right, be sure you guys follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. And as always, guys, please let me spread the word about this podcast to every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with Pete Hegseth and David Goodwin. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Fathers, Pete Hegseth and David Goodwin. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you so much, Al. Thank you. All right. Well, Pete, I've had you here before. Uh, David, your first time. I'm honored to have you both on the show here. Pete, last time you were here, you were doing the Pete Hegseth School for Higher Learning uh, as we were (laughs) just all adapting to the COVID and trying to figure out how to do this homeschooling at home. But give us a quick update here on the seven kids. How are they doing? Well, they're doing great, thank God. Uh, and that was a knee-jerk's the wrong reaction, but an initial reaction to the reality of the moment, right? We're all at home. We got kids. They're here. They're doing Zoom. They're, what do we do? Wow, we have this amazing moment to actually uh, put our arms around the direct education that they get. So I did that 
first informally, and then I started putting together lesson plans and episodes. And then my wife, Jen, said, man, you should we should record a couple of these, and put them up on Fox Nation. So it became the Hegseth School for Higher Learning. But and that's what we did on TV. But it was a reflection of what everyone else saw and thought about for the first time, this sort of assumption of school was challenged. And then people saw the reality of what came through their Zoom screen. So the project David and I have have embarked on that's coming out now, Battle for the American Mind, in many ways was spawned from that reality. I mean, he's been doing it for decades and I've been concerned as a parent for quite some time, but that stark moment um, kind of shook everybody into the responsibility we have as fathers and parents it includes education. You can't just outsource all that. So that was part of my prog- uh, sort of um, learning experience toward this book and working with David. Yeah, very cool. And David, if you could uh, give us a quick hitter about your background, how many kids you have and how old they are. Yes. Well, thank you, Alex. Um, I uh, have three children. Um, my oldest is 21. She just graduated, or 20, 22, sorry. Uh, she just graduated from um, New St. Andrews College. And then I have a, a 21-year-old son going to college here and a 16-year-old son. But uh, I got involved in education back in the 90s when I helped found a classical Christian school and then eventually left my day job, made it my day job. And now I'm uh, still working at that. Well, very cool to have you guys here. And I want to jump right into this here. You guys have the book coming out. It's out now as we're putting this uh, episode out. The Battle for the American Mind, Uprooting a Century of Miseducation. It's a scary time right now for parents in this country. We know that. But nowhere is it more of a scary time than in the school systems and what is going on uh, with the K through 12 schools. We've seen this in the colleges, but it has gotten into the K through 12 schools. So, Pete, I'll start with you here. Uh, why did you guys decide to write this book and why does it need to get into the hands of every parent in this country? Because we're in a war for the souls of our kids and the future of our country. And that's what Battle for the American Mind is all about. It, it, it is an attempt both from David as someone who's done this professionally now for decades, made it its life's cause and dug underneath the ruins of our educational system to find out how the progressives captured it. And then I'm doing it as a, a you know, as a citizen, as a Christian, as a parent who kind of had a sense of how a riot was, but had absolutely no idea of my own, the depth of the progressive education I received in high school and in college, and certainly didn't put enough intentionality into training up my own kids. Now, just next year, I will finally have all seven of my kids in a classical Christian school, which is the type of schooling that we talk about throughout the book. Uh, And it's been like a ticking clock in my mind, wanting them to get them there, because I feel like I know what I want to teach them at home. I know we take them to church, we pray as a family, all the things we want to reinforce. But I want what's happening in the classroom to reflect that and amplify it. And that, for me, means pulling the kids out of other forms of schooling and finding a classical Christian school. And what I hope for other parents and grandparents in this book is that they will they'll challenge their assumptions about what they thought about school, what they thought about high school, middle school, and elementary school. Because as David helped portray, the lunacy we see on our TVs on Fox News Channel and elsewhere of eight-year-olds choosing their gender pronouns and transitioning and critical race theory of oppressor and oppressed, that is just the tip of the iceberg of a project that's over 100 years old 
of progressives who intentionally wanted to reorient the entire trajectory of Western civilization and America, and they believed the classroom was the place to do it. So we think that uh, the first step to recovery is understanding the depth of your problem. And that's why over half of this book identifies that problem and that secret history. But I'm also proud of the fact that David and I both intentionally made the biggest part of the book, part three, the solution section. All right, here's the problem. What do you do about it? And and that's uh, something we're both very passionate about. Yeah, obviously a timely book couldn't be more important right now in this country. And David, so I know you you get into it in the book. You wrote uh, Discover Classical Christian Education. What is it in a simple capsule form for those who don't know? Well, it's the form of education that existed for about 2000 years um, in, in the West. It formed the West. It really made us who we are. And we don't give it enough credit for that. I think one of the things I saw as I embarked on this, and both Pete and I are kind of layman looking at this, but sometimes that's the best way to be because you kind of you, you go at it with kind of a, a neutrality. And when we came into this, I think, you know, I when I first um, very first, you know, got my first house, my wife and I, uh, it was an older house. And you saw this little spot of rot on the floor in the bathroom. And I remember before long, I had the entire bathroom torn apart trying to get to it and found out that really... This thing went all the way down through. I had to replace part of the foundation, part of the side. I mean, it was a big mess, but it didn't look that bad when I first looked at it. Now, I think what we're seeing in our culture is mm. that it's starting to look really bad, but it's been rotting for a long time. And so what um, what classical education or what Pete Nice project is working toward is restoring this thing called classical education that was lost 100 years ago by an, with an intentional move by the progressives. And uh, in short, it's based in the seven liberal arts, which um, they were called the seven liberal arts because not because they turned you into a liberal, of course, but because they uh, trained you to think with freedom instead of uh, being cowed by the tyrant of the day. Yeah. And David, I want to stay with you just for one second here, too. And, and I love your explanation of it. And my son, actually, my uh, my fifth grader just recited the Gettysburg Address yesterday in school. He absolutely crushed it. And it was so great to see that they go to Catholic school. Uh, it was awesome to see. But I mean, we've seen this in the colleges for years here. I mean, I, I've driven a lot of Uber. I get these kids that are coming out of these colleges right down here by me. They have fifty thousand dollar a year schools and they all want to be social justice warriors. They all hate the country. So we've seen that in the colleges. When did this infiltrate? Take me back to the the infiltration of the K through 12 school, in your opinion here. When did this begin? About 1915. uh, That's when my research began to try and understand. It just kept taking us back. And I found sources that actually um, corroborate that date. So it was about 1915 that the progressives decided that the Western Christian paideia, this is a $2 word that Pete and I expand on considerably in the book, but uh, this thing called the Western Christian Paideia, lost to us today, had to be removed from our school system in the United States uh, by the progressives in order for them to take, to take control of the hearts and minds of the kids. And so it was the uh, between about 1915 and 1935, 1940 that this happened, uh, largely under the leadership of a man named John Dewey. Many of you may know, maybe your elementary school was named after John Dewey because he basically uh, built the American public school system. 
Yeah, it, it, I'll tell you what, this is scary stuff. And Pete, you're in New Jersey, just like I am here now. A couple of years, two years ago, uh, they changed the school curriculum for the sex education to include anal sex for eighth graders to be taught here in Jersey. Now we know there's a battle going on, but in the fall in Jersey, they're going to start teaching first and second graders about sexual orientation, gender identity, the whole bit. Uh, this is scary stuff. And I think I just I just recently did an interview with Governor DeSantis, and he put a stop to this down in Florida, saying we're not going to allow you to do this to our kids. They called him out. They're falsely calling it a don't say gay bill. It was nonsense. I would love to see somebody step up here in Jersey and stop this from happening. What are the dangers, Pete, if we allow this to happen and expose our kindergartners, first and second graders to this poisonous ideology? Well, it's, ind it's indoctrination. I mean, D David talks about liberal arts and liberal. Well, of course, that means a liberated mind. It means you can think freely for yourself. And what the progressives have done, I mean, they didn't know exactly where their project would end when they started it in 1915, but they knew where it wouldn't end. And it wouldn't end with God in the classroom. It wouldn't end uh, with, with free thinking students. Uh, it wouldn't end with a reverence for Western civilization. And that's exactly what we see right now. You're celebrating uh, the absurd. And not just are you celebrating it, you're, you're infusing it into the earliest chapters of kids' lives, making it um, the environment they live in and what is, is culturally reinforced. And so you mentioned, uh, uh, higher education. You know, Alan Bloom, a professor, wrote a book called uh, The Closing of the American Mind in 1987, and it was about the lunacy of higher education. And he was right, of course, and he woke a lot of people up to that reality. It's, But the left knew it, it couldn't just be confined there. The most impressionable part of a human being's life is their youngest uh, and multiple years, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. That's where the paideia that David talks about is imprinted on their heart, sort of the the, David calls it the vision of the good life, like the things that you believe in that that are set and imprinted on your heart. Yes, you can learn things and change, but but that is the most immovable object. So they knew they had to get into high schools, middle schools and and uh, and elementary schools. That's where you create a consistent pipeline of activists, of social justice warriors. Now, I have a professor at Princeton who was one of my mentors, conservative guy, his name is Robbie George, constitutional law professor, he's amazing. And we interviewed him for a, a film that David and I did as well. And he, he put it so well, he said, it used to be that the liberals would lick their chops on campus to break down the worldview of these Christians and conservatives rubes that showed up on campus. He said, it's the opposite now. He said, I'm a conservative and they all already show up to Princeton woke. Uh, they've, that job's already done and they get reinforced at Princeton and his job as a conservative now is to challenge that orthodoxy. Consider where our culture is without the K through 12 as captured as it is today. And it, it's been more captured than we thought for decades. So I don't wanna underplay that. It, this is a long time coming, but they've consolidated previous advancements, what we call uh, from the Western Christian paideia to the American progressive paideia, now to the culturally Marxist paideia. It's, a, it's sort of a 40-year generational turn, and David was so right in sort of how we formulated that. He started sort of in the early 20th century. I started today, and we moved toward the middle, and we started to realize the phasing that the left had went in. Imagine how difficult it's going to be. You talk about New Jersey 30 years from now with a generation of young kids who have been infused with this belief system, a religion effectively replacing real religion, it's gonna be even more difficult. This is just the beginning if we don't, and we call it an insurgency and that's really what it is. And insurgency is the preferred uh, tactic of the weak against the strong. 
the public school system is completely controls the Democrat Party, controls the federal government, controls the Department of Education. It's all controlled by the unions and the teachers' colleges, and they are all in on woke Marxist thinking. And they have been for a long time. They just haven't been able to show their true colors. So I'm not telling every parent in in in, uh, in New Jersey or elsewhere that they're doomed, but man, you better have your eyes wide open because it's not getting better from here if we think politics is going to solve it. Like I, I salute DeSantis and what he's doing, and I salute other governors who are doing those types of things. But politics is a lagging indicator behind culture, behind faith, and behind the classroom. And that's one of the things David brought so well to the book is, you know, when prohibition happened, prohibition, you know, didn't happen because suddenly a bunch of people thought it was bad to start drinking. Prohibition happened because a lady in 1870s, Frances Willard, put a third grade curriculum in the classrooms across America. And pretty soon, you know, a generation later, you had a constitutional amendment banning alcohol and the sale of alcohol. Progressives watched that and they said, wow, look at the power of the curriculum in the classroom. And they built upon that. And 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 that's what we're seeing being pushed all the way down to first graders, as you said. Wow. Yeah. Well said, Pete. And David, you spoke about finding the mold in your bathroom and then digging under and you've seen it there. It had been there for a long time building up. We didn't see it. And I think certain things have a way of highlighting that. I think there was always a bias in the media. I think Trump getting uh, into office brought that to the forefront. People could actually start to see it. I think now with the school systems, I think what COVID did was it woke up a lot of parents who were now all of a sudden seeing what their kids for the first time were actually learning in these school systems. And it was frightening to a lot of them. So I, I know you guys, um, you know, you, you jump into this into a, into a little bit of the book, but I'm curious, what is the end game here for these socialists, for these Marxists? Where do they want this? Where, what is their utopian vision of the future from indoctrinating our kids to, to the next step? Where does this end for them? What's the end game? Well, I'll, I'll start out, but I mean, this is really Pete's department, because when we wrote the book, I had the, the broad historical lines and he went into the the uh, Frankfurt School and Marcuse and, and the others there, he brought in that. And basically, in a nutshell, the removal of the Western Christian paideia created a vacuum. They did that by um, creating sort of this Americana sort of environment in the school where they're, you know, the flag and pictures of George Washington and John Dewey on the, on the wall. They kind of created a pseudo-Christianity to kind of fill the gap in there. But then to create real values and a real virtue system within that, uh, they brought in this whole line of thinking from the Frankfurt School. And I'll let Pete go into that because that was his part of the book. Yeah, I mean, it's critical theory. We know critical race theory. It, literally, critical theory arrived on the shores of America at Columbia University during World War II when Hitler kicked out the Marxists and Herbert Mikusa and others and Max Horkheimer showed up at Columbia were welcomed at Columbia, and they advanced a new theory, which was basically the deconstruction of the West. They were Marxists, and they soon found out that economic class warfare was not effective in America. But what was more effective in America was exploiting our our, uh, our painful racial past. And so it became deconstructing the patriarchy and the race, systemic racism. And 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 it just they didn't like I, like I said they didn't necessarily know exactly where it would lead, but they. But by tearing down the core values of our country, they knew they created an opening or an opportunity for this future atheistic utopia that they always talk about. I mean, that's effectively, you know, whether it's the bourgeoisie or the proletariat, they've got this view that everyone's going to be equal, which is absolutely impossible and never going to happen. 
and completely contrary to our biblical understanding of human nature. And that's why you have to go back to at the core of all of this is a rejection of faith, a rejection of the Bible, a rejection of, of our human condition and a belief that man is perfectible through just through enough social uh, what's, what's the word? It's just social training uh, and instruction. You can create perfect human beings who, who eventually emanate this, this sort of utopia where everyone's equal. They believe that and they believe now that the only way to do that is to tear down history and rewrite history and erase history. A great example of that is uh, Howard Zinn and his book, A People's History of the United States, written in, I believe, the 80s. It's still the most powerful textbook in our classrooms today. And it doesn't mean it's being taught as a book in the classroom. What it, It's being infused into the textbooks everywhere and into the curriculum and the way they talk. And the unions love Howard Zinn. And what is Howard Zinn is American history written from the Soviet perspective. This is truly an attempt to destroy what our, our, our nation was founded on. It's also why chapter six in the book uh, is entitled The Straight Line from Critical Theory to Antifa. Like you can look at the thoughts that the left has advanced and ultimately they talk about tolerance until they're in control and then they write an essay called Repressive Tolerance, which Horkheimer did, which really reveals the fact that, well, dissent can't be tolerated once we have the power to not tolerate it anymore. So everything they're doing today, they wrote about, they just have the power to do it. And now they're getting closer and closer to that political power and, you know, that was Barack Obama. That was Joe Biden. Now the teachers unions are completely in charge uh, of an entire political party in this country. And they're pressing their advantage uh, with all the theories behind it in order to do so. So it is I don't think they even know exactly where this ends. They just know it has to be a rejection of who we were, which was to David's point. The education of our founding generation was the culmination of 2000 years of human experience and understanding. It was a, a miraculous moment where some of the wisest men on earth came together to create this experiment. Uh, but it didn't come out of a vacuum. It came out of a specific way in which their minds were trained to think in a liberated way that goes all the way back to ancient Greece. And we decided over the course of 100 years, get rid of all that stuff. Well, we don't need that stuff. We've got social emotional learning and we've got equity classes. We've totally rejected the wisdom of the past, which is why so little history is taught. If you look, I mean, man, this new episode, David, that's coming out of miseducation. Uh, when you look at we were there talking to Kathy Kirsten, the social studies standards, social studies, by the way, total invention of the progressives. Total. It used to be history, geography, philosophy, theology, politics. They, they put it all together and created a new way to study it. Um, the social studies standards getting rid of references to World War Two. And getting rid of references to, you know, basic things we take for granted, they're removing in favor of diversity, equity and inclusion uh, across the spectrum, all of which makes America look like an evil place. So good luck 20 years from now trying to muster, I don't know, the national collective will to take on the communist Chinese if you have a whole country that doesn't even believe in itself and instead believes the biggest threat we have is climate change. So we all need to, you know, pay 10 bucks at the gallon and get an electric vehicle uh, and, and stop eating meat. Where does it end? I don't know. But it doesn't end in in an understanding and a belief that we have a savior and that we we can serve something greater than ourselves. And freedom is a good thing. 
Yeah, and I know from, from listening to like these KGB defectors that have come out, once these ideologies have taken hold, there's no going back. So once they come out with this, you're not going to undo that type of learning because no matter how many facts you hit them with, it's irrelevant. They're always going to believe in this stuff. And I wanted to get your take on this, guys, too. And Pete, you know, I focus a lot on the fatherless crisis on my show here, the breakdown of the nuclear family unit. We just had Matthew McConaughey, who I've had on the show here, speak at the White House about the shootings that are going on, the tragedies that are happening. I wish I would have heard from him at the podium, dive in like he did on my show about the crisis and the epidemic of the broken families in this Mm -hmm. country that's leading to so much of this chaos. But you throw in the education that we have going on, the violence in movies, in the games, with uh, the the drugs, the godliness, the media. It's a recipe for a disaster in our country, and we're seeing it play out in cities all across America. So, David, I just wanted to get a quick hitter Mm -hmm. on you. Maybe, Pete, you could chime in. Do you guys address at all how the breakdown of the family factors into this? Because now you're getting this education at school, this indoctrination, and there's nobody at home, no father figure to reinforce the American values, the family values into these kids. As you uh, as you look at the book that Pete and I worked on, its essence or the, the center of it is this concept of paideia. And that comes from um, Ephesians 6 in the Bible, where it says, fathers, raise your children in the paideia of the Lord. It's the Greek word there. And so the command is primarily to fathers. And I think that obviously it applies to parents in general. But I think uh, this this loss of fatherhood in the country is certainly leading uh, the breakdown in both education and the family. And that's the uh, you know, that's certainly a point of connection with with the book. And it's 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 pretty clear for sure. I mean, I would second that uh, we also are clear in the book to say that, you know, sending your kid to a classical Christian school doesn't save their soul. And it doesn't mean that it, it doesn't it isn't a replacement for what families represent, what fathers and mothers represent. Uh, and so I would acknowledge first and foremost, you know, the faith and the family come before relying on the classroom. And that breakdown has been, and that breakdown comes in the form of not caring enough about what your kids are learning at school. So, hey, yeah, I'm there, but that school thing, you know, whatever, I pay taxes, just go ahead. And that that, that is a big sentiment even for neighbors and friends of mine who I adore, who and they, they're good fathers, uh, but they wouldn't give a second thought to what's going on in the classroom because they're like, I moved to a good zip code and I pay the property taxes and they have a good STEM program. And so that's where they're going. And you want sometimes you want to grab them and, and just be like, but 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 look at this stuff. It, the, the stuff they're teaching your kids is not what you believe. And you've got one shot to mold their hearts and minds before they're 18 and doing whatever they want. Like make, give it the best shot. And what David and I also emphasize is this is not about sheltering kids in some cocoon. This is about preparing them to enter the war of the world, the war of ideas, while also um, helping them learn to confront the best arguments of the other side and of all sides so that they know where people are coming from. And so I think there's this misconception from you know homeschooling of the past or other conservative schools that you're just going to keep them under a bushel over here and the world's never going to touch them. No, this is equipping them, the armor of God, to go into the world and be advocates for our republic and for faith. Uh, it's, it's meant to go on the offense and prepare kids to do that. And I'll just say to Matthew McConaughey, I, I was grateful even just to hear him say American values. I mean, most people don't even say that. So he may not have expanded on it, but at the very least, he said it and recognizes that that's a part of it. Instead, as you pointed out, 
all of our political debates at the surface level run toward the flashy headlines on cable news and away from the stuff that really, really matters, which is exactly what you do on this podcast every time, reminding dads in every particular circumstance, a traditional family, a blended family, what like I have, and nothing's perfect in this world, but all you could do is throw yourself into intentionally trying to mold the next generation. Ultimately, that's the only legacy that we have. Yeah, right on with that, Pete. And David, just like to your point there, again, with the mold in the bathroom, when you actually get to the actual root of the problem and the foundation of it, it's the nuclear family units. It's the father in the home. That is where it all lies. That's what all these other issues are running off of. And so on that, I mean, obviously, um, you guys focus on solutions in the book. I know we can't get into all of them. My my own personal opinion, I think the biggest solution for me, as far as I see it, is conversations with families at the dinner table, because at least you're getting a chance to hear what your kids have a conversation with them. We got to get back around the dinner tables in the American family where we can interact and learn from our kids what they're being taught. What are some of the solutions or what is one key thing takeaway parents are going to get from this book that they can apply directly uh, in their kids' school education? Well, know, you couldn't be uh, more right, Alex. Uh, when I um, ran a school, I ran a school for about 13, 14 years. Um, if I were to predict the outcome of graduates, obviously classical Christian schools have good outcomes, but it was all dependent on the family. It really came down to who the dad was and who the mom was. And the dad's role, particularly in teenage boys' uh, lives, but, you know, of course, throughout the years, was uh, quintessential. You, you know, the school cannot change what, what isn't there. If, it, if, if the basis isn't there in the home, it's not going to happen at school. Now, having said that, uh, you in the home are going to have a very hard time overcoming the power of the zeitgeist of our culture if you put your kids in a school that enforces that. Because um, I, I can't imagine trying to, to uh, push that rock up the hill. It's hard enough to parent in this day and age without having the, the cultural value system being superimposed. And one thing I wanted to add to the earlier conversation, Pete, when he started out, mentioned that, you know, the, the progressives tried to take the Christian values out of the schools. And I think we too often compartmentalize things. I know Pete wasn't doing this, but we compartmentalize Christianity and school. And what classical education does is reunite the two things. So it's not just about being a good person and doing good things. That's that's not what what it provides for children. What it does is it lays a foundation for how we think about everything, everything from, you know, politics to family and how we raise our kids in the home. All of that is really spoken to, you know, the Bible is not a short book. Uh, Christianity is not a young religion. Uh, this stuff's been there for centuries teaching us how to do uh, life. And we stripped the underpin, un- underpinning of life out from our schools 100 years ago. And and that's the real restoration that Pete and I are calling for. So well said. And I, it's, it's reminders like that that remind me, and I don't say this looking for pity or anything, but how absolutely incomplete the education I received was. And I thought it was great. Uh, both in my public high school, both then going to Princeton and to Harvard, these elite institute learned none of these, none of these things. By then, it was already a total transition to, as David said, the progressive zeitgeist of the day, without any of the understanding of first principles and and virtues. Uh, and and that that's what the book sort of dissects. And so we hope by you by the time you get to the end. Yeah, you're going to be I think your mind will be blown. You'll be angry and frustrated, maybe a little bit demoralized. Uh, But we hope revitalized to say, 
I make a lot of choices in my life and I think a lot of things are important. And ultimately I'm phoning in the one thing that is the most important. And if I'm, yes, I can talk to my kids around the dinner table and I should, but I shouldn't be spending my time deprogramming the kids at the dinner table. That, that's not how it's supposed to work if you want to reca- reclaim your culture and reclaim your country and reclaim the kingdom of God. You can't do that by deprogramming. It should be a fortification and a refortification of what they're learning. And so our, you know, I mentioned insurgency. I mean, we, I talk about the three phases of how we actually take on the bohemoth that is the yellow bus public school system in America that underserves so many Americans. It's that first you got to realize you got to save your kids first and realize I, as a parent or grandparent, have to make a real choice. Do I move? Do I take another job? Do I sacrifice a vacation? Do I what? Do I homeschool? Do I find an online option? Do I do a hybrid option? There's so many more options because of COVID today than there ever were. So the excuses are almost completely gone. I know where even in my hometown here in New Jersey, there's you know co- uh, homeschool co-ops and pod groups that are even growing to this day after COVID. They're out there. You can find them. None of them are as convenient or easy as throwing your kid on the yellow school bus. But the payback years later, I, I think is there's just absolutely no doubt you will you can at least step back and go, I did what I could both at the dinner table and at school. So we then we talk about things like universal uh, educational tax credits so that the dollars follow the kids. Um, but let's stop defunding the police and start defunding the uh, teachers unions. Uh, so there are policy prescriptions later on that we lay out in the book, but I don't want to say they're secondary, but that's that, that, those will be great to get to. First, we just want people to engage with their implicit bias, to use a uh, phrase of the left, which is that my school is okay, my kids are going to be just fine, when it's usually not the case. Considering what David said, the overwhelming groupthink and pressure of the existing culture and then and then it shows up right here on their phone and everything they look at all day long for these young impressionable minds reinforces the things they're learning in their secular public schools and then we've lost them yeah, there's no doubt about that pete and, and just with the with the whole homeschooling thing you're talking about i mentioned before when COVID happened it i open it was an eye-opener for a lot of parents to see what their kids were learning it was also a lot of parents gained that newfound respect for parents that do do homeschooling because they got a chance to see like, wow, I mean, we weren't even teaching the kids. We were just getting them on the computer to get the teaching. And it was, uh, you know, I have four kids yeah. myself and it was like, oh, I was like, wow, these guys that do this hats off to them. And then we know that the homeschooling did uh, shoot up in the last two years, percentage wise that are doing it dropped off a little bit, but not too much. Uh, so all right, I don't want to keep you guys too much longer here. I know Battle for the American Mind, Uprooting a Century of Miseduca- Miseducation, available now. Link is in the description of this podcast episode. And I think the importance of the future here is going to rely on these parents that are just about to hit the game here. They're about to become new dads. They're expecting their first child. They focus in on them guys a lot. So we'll start with you, David. I always love to ask the dads that again on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? You know, one of the blessings of working on this project with Pete is that many people who know Pete know he's a a veteran. And one of the things I've really appreciated that he brought to the book, even, you know, with the title Battle for the American Mind, is that God made men uh, to fight for our families. And, you know, that's really one of the themes of this book is dads get involved. Get into the trenches with your kids, get in the trenches with your your wife and uh, fight for your kids. And that means that 
you got to find a strategy that's going to get them out of this mess and you got to lead them through the process and lead them out of this mess. And I think Pete brought a lot of that to the book. I sure appreciated his contributions in that way. Well, likewise to David uh, in, in the mutual admiration society here, but it, uh, what, and David said it, what makes classical Christian different is the infusion of biblical wisdom throughout the instruction process from K through 12, that there is no decoupling of the two. And I think as, if you're a new father, and I say this as someone who has had my peaks and valleys, uh, in, in my own personal faith, stay strong in your faith, because if, if, if you're not drawing near to God uh, so that he will come near to you, I think it's James 4, 7 or 8 or something. If you're not doing that, you can't do that for your family and for your kids and for your spouse. And, and, and I know that has been central to my keeping perspective on my role and fortifying that role. Otherwise, life gets in the way and it gets moving and other things become priorities. And I think faith as as the uh, foundation um, will always be the most important part. Yeah, very well said. I, I love the advice. I love the message. Obviously, very important book, Battle for the American Mind, Uprooting a Century of Miseducation. Uh, Pete Hegseth, David Goodwin, you guys are first class fathers all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Thank Father. you, Alec. Appreciate it. Thank you. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. Got to give a special thank you once again to Pete Hegseth and David Goodwin for giving me a few minutes of their time. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me the DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. Always love reading your feedback. Go grab their new book. It is the number one best-selling book on Amazon right now, The Battle for the American Mind. The book is so important. The subject is so important to all parents that are out there listening to the podcast. And again, if you're looking for that last-minute Father's Day gift idea, First Class Fatherhood Advice and Wisdom from High Profile Dads, available wherever you buy books. Make sure you lock it in to my Instagram account, at Alec underscore Lace, for all the upcoming guest announcements. I'll be back tomorrow with Fox and Friends co-host Steve Ducey. Don't miss out on that one. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. (laughs) 